Claire Obinson is an architect living in the San Francisco Bay Area. Born of a Nigerian mother and a Cameroonian father who were both Catholic, she grew up in both countries and was baptized as a baby. Claire came to the U.S. at age 17 to study architecture at The Ohio State University. During that time, she began questioning the existence of Christ. Getting no concrete answers, she gradually became an atheist. It was only years later, while at the University of Oregon, that she regained her faith and returned to the Catholic Church. Currently, Claire spends her time running her architecture practice, St. Claire of Assisi Architecture, volunteering as a foster parent, and enjoying Zoom happy hours with friends. This is Echoes and Hope with Claire Obinson. See, I grew up in Cameroon and Nigeria, but I, I spent the first phase of my life in the U.S. I was baptized Catholic as a baby, actually even have the baptism picture. I've seen my godmother and all that stuff. So, yeah, I am cradle Catholic. From the time I was a baby, I guess, till I was maybe in my 20s, like mid-20s, I would go to church, but I didn't really understand what exactly I was doing. I was basically culturally Catholic. I hadn't really owned the faith at that time. And so when I was about 26 years old, I started questioning the Catholic Church. I was living in New York at the time, and I was reading Malcolm X and all that stuff. And I was wondering why there was no Black representation of Jesus. And I was thinking, does Jesus really care about Africans? Did he really walk on this planet? Did he really exist? And so that led me into atheism because I wasn't getting any answers to the questions. I mean, when I would tell people, I would ask people these questions, I'm like, how do you know that Jesus really existed? And people would just say, just have faith. And it was so frustrating for me because I think I'm maybe more of the intellectual person. I sort of thrive on the intellect more so than the emotions. And I wasn't getting any responses. And so I was very frustrated. So I just said, I'm an atheist. So I left the Catholic church and then I moved to Oregon and it solidified my... (laughs) My atheism. I I lived in Eugene, Oregon. I lived in Portland. And there's just no way I'm not a Catholic at all. I just don't believe and all that stuff. I mean, sometimes I would lie awake at night and I'll be thinking, so if I die today, is that all there is? Is that the end of me? Do I just go into nothingness? It was really, I was like, wow, that's, that's really sad if that's the case. I was also reading a lot of Ayn Rand. She was a philosopher. And so um, I highly recommend not reading that book. <laughs> I was reading The Fountainhead because I was in architecture and all that. It led me further into atheism. She was my idol. I read all her books. I worshipped her and everything. I saw her movie. <laughs> But when I started questioning the fact that, is that all there is? Um, Is that the end of me and everything? Then I started looking further into Christianity. I went to the Newman Center in Eugene, Oregon, and somebody in one of the student gathering groups, somebody said, well, Jesus was a good Jewish man. And since he was a good Jewish man, he would have celebrated the Passover. I just felt like I'd been hit over the head with a two by four because I was like, if Jesus celebrated the Passover, and I know that Jewish people to this day celebrate the Passover, that gave me an inkling that Jesus actually was a person. You could situate him in history. 
And so I said, well, I, I guess, I mean, that's, that's a start that Jesus really, that means there's a possibility that he existed. And so that led me on my journey back into the Catholic Church. I was very consumed with apologetics. I read, I listened to Catholic Answers, I had a lot of friends who were Catholic, and we would talk about apologetics all the time. And I liked that sort of intellectual combative discourse. I really enjoyed it because it wasn't really based on emotion. It was based on history, on facts, on reason, and, and all that stuff. I, I worked in an office with a lot of evangelicals when I moved to California, and they would ask me questions about the Catholic faith, and, and I was like, go and read. I would, I would read so much more about the, <laughs> the Catholic Church, and I was just, I would come back and respond to them. And so it was, it, it was a lot of fun in those days, and that really solidified my faith. So I would say, yeah, I did, my reversion was because of an Emmaus moment when I realized that Jesus celebrated the Passover. So it's like the breaking of the bread and my eyes were open and all that stuff. So that's how I came back to the Catholic Church. And now since I know that Jesus was a real person and he founded the church and the gates of hell will never prevail, there's just nothing that will, by the grace of God, I don't think there's anything that will shake my faith in the Catholic Church. There's just nothing. Even though sometimes, I mean, people always talk about having feelings. I woke up this morning and I was so in love with Jesus. I just, <laughs> it's very rare. Maybe I have had feelings about Jesus, but it's very rare for me. What's keeping me now is I know intellectually that Jesus founded the church and he, and the Catholic church is a real church. That's, I know that intellectually, regardless of how I feel. And so here I am. I feel like as time goes on, I'm getting better in my faith. So for example, I don't look back on my conversion as the best of times. I look at today as the best of times because I feel like today I am better than I was yesterday. It's just a working, a day-to-day -day working out your salvation in fear and trembling. I think my faith is unshakable and I, and I really like it. I love Bishop Barron. He talks about beauty and, and the intellect. He's one of my, my earthly heroes in the Catholic Church. My heavenly heroes, of course, are God and the saints, but I would say Bishop Barron is my hero, <laughs> my spiritual hero, um, besides my parents, of course. I, I would say I really love about Catholic is both the beauty of the church and the faith and reason are not mutually exclusive. I would say that's number one. And then number two would have to be the beauty and the expression of beauty and the appreciation of beauty in the church. I really like that, especially as an architect, I would say if I'm designing something, it's almost as if I'm communing with God. And sometimes when I'm done with it, I'm like, am I the one who did that? It, it just seems like <laughs> someone else, it just seems so far away, like someone else did it. And, and so I would say that that's God working through me. Mother Teresa was, would say that she's a little pencil or something. She's a broken pencil in God's hands. I would probably say the same thing when I'm designing. I mean, God is, of course, he's a premier beauty and helping to create something beautiful using the gifts that he's given me. And so I think that's what I would say, because I don't think any other religion has that sort of focus on beauty, on what is beautiful, more so than the Catholic Church. And when I say that, it, it doesn't necessarily mean that one has to do religious art. You can design a table, you can design a building that's beautiful, that's something that God, but you're still participating in that beauty of God. 
it doesn't have to be expressly a religious thing to be considered beautiful. Sometimes when I'm stressed out, if I look at Pinterest, if I start looking at beautiful rooms on Pinterest, <laughs> it's so calming for me. It's just so calming. And I would sense the presence of God when I'm, when I'm doing that, when I'm creating, when I'm designing, when I'm doing something. Yeah, just when I'm doing something creative, I really sense that God is present just because of the peace I get and the joy. The Eucharist, if not for the Eucharist, I wouldn't be Catholic. I frequent Jesus in the Eucharist. And again, it's not that I feel anything when I receive I know that it's Jesus, I know I've received Jesus, and I know I can talk to him. He's the source of all beauty, the fountain of all holiness. I think that's what feeds me as, as a Catholic, as, as it should, yes. And wherever the Catholic sun doth shine, there's food and laughter and good red wine. So Catholics just, they like to have a good time. <laughs> I like the fact that we're not Puritans. I mean, I like the fact that we, <laughs> we eat and drink and all that stuff, and we have fun with what we've just gone through with George Floyd and et cetera, et cetera. And I would say it's in the U.S., having lived in West Africa, because it's, it's just different. In the U.S., there's a huge disconnect between the pro-life movement, quote-unquote pro-life movement, and the black people. The pro-life people, right now, I actually don't even call them pro-life. I call them the anti-abortion. People don't believe that racism exists. They only believe that racism exists in the womb. And for me, that was the most shocking thing because for years and years, I've marched with the pro-life people. I live in the Bay Area, and almost every year, I would go on the walks for life. And I thought these people were my people. I was like, man, we're all this, we're all Catholics. It's so cool. We're all marching for life. And then once anything happens that's racist against the adults, there's a complete turnaround. To them, there's no racism. And that to me was the most shocking thing and the most, I would say the most hurtful thing. Because right now, if, if you ask me to go to the Walk for Life West Coast in January, I probably would say, no, I'm not going because I just don't identify with those people anymore. And, and I don't look at them. I don't have any respect for them. I know that they're good ones. The ones I've met on Instagram in the past two or three months, I, I realized that the pro-life people who believe that racism against adults exist. It's been a really nice thing to meet that community of people. It's been very sad, I think. It's just been very sad and very shocking. And I would say that's my biggest disappointment in the Catholic Church. Someone said that the Catholic Church should have been leading the fight against racism. I mean, all these protests, if Catholics had shown, just like we show up for the March for Life, if Catholics had shown up at all these protests with their rosaries, I don't think you would have Antifa or all that stuff. You wouldn't have the killing and, and the rioting and all of that. It's something we should have done. We should have led that the anti-racism movement. Instead, it's the secular organizations that are leading it. And I feel, I really feel the pain of that. I do, because racism is a life issue and the church is here to uphold the dignity of all human life. And racism is a big thing. And, and so they shouldn't wait for secular organizations. No excuses, just, just lead the fight and take charge. That's it. I would say as a black Catholic, what I bring to the church is, we talked earlier about beauty and everything. And as a black Catholic, I think I bring to the church the idea that there are, even though we 
as Catholics, we subscribe to certain things that make certain things beautiful. I think I bring to church things from other cultures. In addition to the American culture, I bring something from the African culture, from the African-American culture to the church, something beautiful to the church that, for example, somebody who is a, a white American only knows one standard. They only know maybe one book, uh, Flannery O'Connor. That's what they consider beautiful. Whereas I would say, well, Cyprian Aquensi's novel, G.K. Chesterton, Chinua Achebe, I would say Zora Neale Hurston. I, I know more than I think a typical white Catholic has been exposed to. I can bring more, I can I can make things more beautiful from so many different perspectives, not just the European perspective. Because as, as a black person, we're forced to know both the European culture and uh, the black culture. And, and I would add that for me, the African culture. So I'm familiar with the African culture, I'm familiar with the African-American culture, and of course I'm very familiar with the European-American culture. So all that, that's a triple, a triple threat. <laughs>